I am launching my success mindset course in a week. And while I am incredibly excited about doing that, the closer that we get to the release date, the more the fear creeps into my moment to moment process, creating an immense amount of resistance in me. And as I have more to do as each day passes to make this launch happen, the less I am able to do. So what do you do with fear when it is getting in the way of building your dream? Hi, this is Tiffany Lee, Thinking Big. I am talking about fear in moments of deep expansion when pursuing big, huge, outrageous, audacious goals. Will you join me today? I will detail the launch and how you can learn more about it at the end of the podcast. But I wanted to delve into this idea of fear. Fear can be positive. Of course, it is our physiological design that stops us from walking into traffic or falling off cliffs. Fear is an important physical response. But in our largely protected and secure environment that we have created with modern society, Fear largely has lost its place, but tends to overflow either in low-level anxiety or in terror of things that don't even exist. And I've studied fear a lot because as a performer, I've had to harness and control my fear to get out on stage and perform in front of 10,000 people at one time. I've had to coax my students through the fear of getting out onto the stage of getting in front of the camera, of pursuing the dream of playing an instrument or being a singer or writing a song and bearing your soul in front of an audience. There's an immense amount of fear that comes with that vulnerability. And so I've studied fear my entire life. Fear can be useful, yes, as a physiological response. It can also be useful as a dream builder when used correctly. But I find that most of the time we use fear as a dream killer to stop us in our tracks. We see fear come in front of us and we run and hide in procrastination, tamping down our dreams so that it is more comfortable, in the end stripping our dream of its essence and of the vision that was put in our heart to begin with. We run from fear through alcohol and drug abuse and addiction. We run from fear and hide in relationships that might not be suitable or fruitful for us. We use fear as an excuse to do all the wrong things. The things that don't build us up, but are more comfortable. They're easier in the short term, but in the long run, they can have disastrous consequences. Now, how can fear be used positively? Fear in the Bible is always used in reference to God. Fear God. I bought a necklace in my youth for the beautiful idea that it encapsulated. It was an African symbol that meant, I fear nothing but God. And I love that idea because if God loves me and shows me grace and mercy, then I shouldn't be afraid of anything else. And I've tried to live up to that idea, but of course it's difficult when the world is so steeped in fear. 
The world uses fear to manipulate us to do all sorts of crazy things. It uses fear through the modern medical system. It uses fear in religion. It uses fear financially. We fear for our security in our resources. We fear for our very physical existence. And in that way, we make fear of external forces our idol. Think about it. If you are afraid of dying because somebody announced for their own financial benefit that there is a pandemic and you're going to die unless you take this shot, who are you worshiping at that moment? In the ancient Hebrew, fear means terror, awe, which is awe-inspiring, awe in a fearful but also incredible, amazing sense, and reverence. You're revering an idea. And if we revere God, we're revering the essence of love, of glory, of beauty, of grace, truth. We're revering excellence in its entirety. And if we revere or fear anything less than that, then those substandard qualities are going to infiltrate our life and our results. I'm a Christian, raised in the Christian church and wandered off into woo-woo new age principles throughout my life. But I've come back to Christianity as an adult as I have begun to see to reconcile my belief in God with my experience. My mom, who was the one who brought me into my faith and is the amazing, magnificent inspiration to our whole family with her faith, has recently grown a fear, as a lot of Christians have, including myself, other religions infiltrating our belief system, like yoga or meditation, these seemingly Eastern principles that put more of the power of our individuality in ourselves as opposed to God or higher power. Now, my mom was all for studying all sorts of things when I was young and in her womanhood as a mother, we loved to read astrology and my mom loved yoga and imparted to us a love of yoga. And indeed, up until maybe a couple years ago as a senior citizen, my mother amazingly, in my opinion, taught silver sneakers yoga, which was a yoga from a seated position that was incredibly helpful in promoting mobility in a more mature set. I myself, following my mother's example, became certified in that and found it to incorporate elements of rehabilitation with yoga and felt it incredibly helpful. I taught it to my dad for a period of years until I got pregnant and was overcome with family life. But then there was this kind of sweep through Christianity that said we can't do yoga because it's a Hindu practice and each pose represents sometimes the worship of polytheistic ideas, multiple gods. And I know a lot of people have shunned it. And I'm not really going to make a statement on yoga, whether or not that is useful or harmful to a Christian. I know that for myself, I have since moved from yoga to a more dance-oriented practice in my own performance studio, simply because dance is more expressive and incorporates more balance to the body, whereas yoga can be very deep, so deeply symmetrical that it 
lacks a reach within the physical system. But recently, my mother developed this condition of extreme dizziness. And at first, she was diagnosed with vertigo, which she cured through physical therapy, amazingly. And then it came back, this dizziness. But when she went back to the physical therapist, it wasn't vertigo. The physical therapist diagnosed her with stress and prescribed for my mom a protocol of stress reduction techniques, one of which was meditation. Now, knowing my mom and the journey that she's been through, I knew instinctively that this idea of meditation scared her, but she was committed enough to getting over this physical inhibition to her activity to do it. And I was able to bring to her my study in the Bible of meditation, which is mentioned over and over and over in the scripture. In ancient Hebrew, meditation means to mutter or utter. So what is that? That is out loud. That's not meditating silently in your brain. That is muttering out loud, saying over and over and over and meditating on an idea, whether it's a scripture or a word. Now, I know that our idea of meditation in Western society is this Eastern idea of meditation, meditating on a Hindu word in yoga, but meditation in ancient Hebrew is meditating on verses in the Bible. There's also this idea that meditation puts us in the central moment. And anything outside of the central moment, in the past, regret, shame, in the future, anxiety, fear. But when we bring ourselves back to the present moment, that is the moment that we are actually with God because he is in the present moment, isn't he? One of my mom's exercises was rooting herself into the ground. And I was able to finally share with my mom this physical sense of worship that I've developed over the last decade that makes my connection to God a actual physical practice and not just a mental thinking about doing the right things so that we get into heaven. I know so often religion can be used as an idol and stand in our way of a relationship with God. We can use religion to hide. Religion can become its own procrastination. If we're going into our church to serve and to look good and to be a Martha, so to speak, but not pursuing that vision that's been put in our heart, our destiny, for which we must take responsibility. I believe that God gave us a mission that we are here to enact, to pursue, to complete, to fulfill in our earthly travels. And if we hide from it, we are hiding from our greatest destiny. I also believe it's big and scary and that it requires a God to pursue. We cannot fulfill our destiny without our God to get us through. But our fear should be placed in the right direction. Our fear needs to be in God, not in all of the smaller external problems that we encounter. Our reverence needs to be towards our higher power to which we follow. And this puts us in deep responsibility as opposed to hiding, procrastinating. So I have this question for you. Are you taking responsibility for your biggest dream? Do you have a vision in your heart that you're pursuing or are you hiding? Are you staying comfortable? 
I know everyone has heard Eleanor Roosevelt's quote, do something that scares you every day. What can you do today that scares you? When you feel the fear, put your fear where it belongs on God. I would love to invite you to follow along with my process for launching the success mindset. I am so excited and also fearful because I am expanding my process here in pursuing this dream. I've told my students forever that fear and excitement have the same physical response, but it's how we look at it in our head that either stops us, the dream killer, or moves us forward, the dream builder. There's a chance that I could chicken out. I've done it once before with the same course a year ago. So if you want to follow along with the saga that is launching this course, I'd love you to join me. You can sign up for the details over at thinkbig.coach. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of Think Big.